Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 348 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, my best friend in this world is, of course, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing good, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. That's the slogan, but it is true. Uh, we're going to dive straight into the review part of the show. This one took place last uh, last week at the Domo Alcalde in Guadalajara, Jalisco, Mexico, over here. An Eddie Hearn matchroom uh, show on the zone. Um so, topping the bill, um, Hiroto Kayaguchi with a win. He's now 16-0, and a TKO in round eight there against Esteban Bermudez, who's now 14-4 and with two draws. That one was a defense of Kayaguchi's WBA Super World Light Flyweight title. Um, Eduardo Hernandez with a win on the undercard, now 32-1. and one. Um, A knockout in the very first round against Jorge Castaneda, who I said was coming off a good win against Yusuf Kamari in London. Um, that one was for the WBC International Silver Super Featherweight title. That's a... I mean, I, I tell you what, I wasn't expecting that, and I actually half-fancied Castaneda to win the fight. Unbelievable. Elsewhere on the undercard, uh, Diego Pacheco now 15-0. and His opponent, Raul Ortega, retired on his store after four rounds, didn't come out for round five of a scheduled 10. Uh, Ortega now 10-3. and three. Um, That's it, really, for that card. That one was on a Friday, and also this one took place on Friday as well at the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York, USA. Um, it was on Showtime, a Lou Bella card, a Lou de Bella card, I should say. Um, heavyweight Bakadir Jalalov now 11 and 0, a KO in the eighth and final round against Jack Malloway, who's now 11 and 3 with a draw. Jalalov actually had a point took off in round four himself. Um, on the undercard. It's heartbreak, really, for friend of the show Tyler Tomlin. He lost his O. He's now 13 and 1. He did get in there with. Um, another undefeated fighter. Somebody's O had to go, and it was his. Um, the undefeated fighter in the other corner, still undefeated, now 11-0, Chan Tonson. Um, a TKO win for him in round five against Tyler Tomlin, so gutted for him. Really nice guy. Um, again, signed to Ludabella. Um, moving out now to the Saturday. This one took place at the Wembley Arena in London over here. It was on Sky Sports. Let's start with the undercard. We're going to run through this. A win for Shannon Ryan, who's now 2-0. Both her wins have been on points. She won here over four rounds against Gemma Roog, who's now 3-4. 
Um, Ebony Jones with a really, really good win, actually. I think she kind of went away after that draw in her second fight, I think it was, as a pro. She's now 2-0 and with one draw. But, yeah, she went away, I think, after the draw and really has improved. And she looked brilliant. She really boxed excellently against Beck Connolly, who, as I've said before, I really think... You know she's she's too tough for her for her own good really, and I have said I think the board should consider taking her license away. I really like her, and I I hope that doesn't come across the wrong way. But she's just not got it, and you know she's she gets pasted by these you know these these younger ladies, and it's it's kind of a hard watch. And she's a really nice woman, so it's not good to see that. Um, but yeah, credit to Ebony Jones who boxed really really well. Um, obviously. That's who she was put in with, and she did a job on Beck Connolly. She really did one every round. Um, Vidal Riley with a first-round TKO against Joan Volau, who I think was a late replacement or a late addition, whatever. Um, he's now 5-8. and eight. Nothing really exciting, I don't think. We can't get carried away here. Uh, Vidal Riley now 6-0. and oh, Good knockout, I guess. Lauren Price made her professional debut, a points win over six two-minute rounds against Val Gudur. Gutsten Dottir, who's now five and three. That's a mouthful. Obviously, a good debut there for the 2020 Olympic middleweight gold medalist Lauren Price um, of Wales. And you know she boxed really well in the first couple rounds. I really liked those rounds, particularly. It was a fast start, and you could see the the you know the difference in class between the two females. But it started to get a little bit lackluster as the rounds went on I mean it was only her pro debut so credit to her she's gone in straight away in a six rounder uh Chris Congo with a really really impressive win actually he's now 14 and one it was as expected against the teak tough Sebastian Formella who's now 23 and three um again Formella's three losses have all been on points the other two losses were to Sean Porter and Connor Ben um, I think Chris Congo actually hurt Formella a few times during the fight, and I don't really remember him off the top of my head being hurt against Connor Ben or Sean Porter, and I do have an awful memory, so maybe he was massively hurt. I can't remember it, though, and I think Chris Congo did well to really... Um, hurt him and buzz him at times but you know he's got a good poker face and he played it off well and he came back strong and he won a few rounds in there it was a tight-ish fight I guess um so yeah uh, that one was for the vacant WBC international silver welterweight title Congo was cut as well over his left eye but no a good learning fight for Chris Congo really 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 good win and that one I mean I put some money on that for me that was like free money really because I couldn't see him getting full Miller out of there no way but, um, yeah, credit to Chris Congo. It's a big step up and a big win. Um, elsewhere on the card, Jermaine Brown of Kingston-upon-Thames lost his O. He's now 12-1, and one, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds to Zach Chelly, who's now 12-1 and one with a draw. He's the new English super middleweight champion. Really good fight, by the way. Zach Chelly, um, uh, you know, especially late on, seemed to start taking over. But it was a really good uh, action pack fight and the main event Richard Riakpour with a TKO in round two against Italy's Fabio Turkey who's now 20 and two I didn't expect it to come that early for Richard Riakpour but it was a nice knockout now 15 and 0 um, he needs to be stepped up they, they, they do a lot of talking about big names for him and you know I want to see the fights now I think we've seen enough of these kind of opponents and I, I, I'm going to 
say that respectfully because he has only had 15 fights here but I think that he is a lot better than these kind of oppositions that he's been boxing and I think they've they've talked up some real big names for him but we haven't really seen the fights I respect the Dion Juma fight that he had last time before this one um, but I want to see more of that more maybe domestic fights you know I suppose he's had them actually when you think about it the Chris Billum Smiths and all that he's had he's got quite a solid resume maybe I'm maybe I'm um, being a bit harsh to be honest but I think that He's got a few levels he can go through, and I think he could be, um, you know, a threat really on on that world level. Dare I say? And I don't want to get too, I don't want to jump my gun too much, but I think he's got a lot of talent. React poor. Um, anyway, that was it for the Wembley Arena card. Moving out now to this one at the Telford International Centre in Telford, Shropshire, United Kingdom. It was live on BT Sport. Um, let's start with the undercard, a win for Muhammad Ali. He's now 4-0, a points win over six against Brian Marina, who's now 11-28 with a draw. Uh, Willie Hutchinson, friend of the show, returned with a win, 14-1 now. His opponent, Carol Horsek, retired on his store after three rounds, didn't come out for round four. He's now 18-14 with three draws, a win for... Um, for Liam Davies as well in the main event. A really good win, actually. He had Mark Leach down in the first round, and Mark Leach got back up and probably lost the next couple rounds, but then as the fight wore on, he started to come back in with his experience. It started to show there, and he made it very tough for Liam Davies, who lost a few rounds in a row, and it made it really close in the end. I think there might have been one wide scorecard. I think it was Terry O'Connor with it. But um, other than that, a unanimous decision for Liam Davies. He's the new British super bantamweight champion. I think he did deserve it. It wasn't too wide, I don't think, um, in my opinion. I think it was very close. But I think the right man won. And um, Mark Leach, now 18-2 and two with a draw, he was the favourite, of course. But I think Liam Davies stepped up in class and, and stepped up a lot of levels, really, and boxed fantastically. I almost thought that it was maybe a step too far too soon. And if he were to lose badly to Mark Leach or get knocked out, it would have been a real, like, unnecessary risk after after the fact. You'd be thinking, damn, that was a bit early, maybe. And I, I think the matchmaking was a, a little bit... Um, kamikaze style but it seemed to work for him and he had to dig deep and he will learn a lot in victory there so he's a new British uh, super bantamweight champion he took the title to I think it was his grandfather's grave the following day he he, he promised his, his grandfather he would do that if he won a British title he did it the very next day classy stuff big fan of Liam Davies all the best to him and elsewhere on the undercard friend of the show Casey Kadami. He had the third fight with Ayaz Ahmed, and it ended in a split draw. So the, the two men have had three fights now. The first one was really close, and Ahmed got the decision. And the second was a draw, and the third is, is a draw as well. Split draw over 12 there for the vacant British super flyweight title. I don't think we're going to see the full fight, but I don't know. These guys, as I said last week, they're so close. They're so close that they that you'd you'd almost think they're related. And I mean that because I'm saying they're so close in in um you know who's better than the other one. It's like 51, 49, 50, 50. It's you, you couldn't be any more evenly matched. These two guys here, they're so evenly matched. And I think Ahmed is a little bit kind of like um. 
come forward, pressure, 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 good engine, um, doesn't have the best defence, but throws a lot of punches, you know, he just puts the pressure on, whereas Kadami has got all the tricks in the book, great footwork, you know, um, I like the way he, he throws punches from different angles and stuff like that, but the problem is, the punch power isn't there, and sometimes, well, in fact, all the time, Ahmed does not respect it, so he walks through it, and there are times where Ahmed gets through uh, the, the, the jab of Kadami, walks in, and when he's in range and he's up close and he's on the inside, it's his fight, so Kadami tries to, you know, use his feet so much, and he ends up getting tired at points in the fight, and that's where I think Ahmed comes back into it, and like I said, they're so evenly matched, but Kadami's got way more skills than Ahmed, way more, but the style just, they match up so badly, I think, for Kadami, and I think a lot of people, he was well-ranked at one stage, I think a lot of people now are starting to think, well, uh, you know, I, I don't really see a bright future here because he's had these three close fights with Ahmed, who no one's talking about on the world level. He's nowhere near a world ranking, I don't believe. So it's a tough one. It's a tough one, but this seems to be his boogeyman. Um, but anyway, moving on, we're going to go now to the warehouse gym in Swansea, Wales. It went under the radar. It was actually a Lee Eaton show. Um, Jay Harris with a win, friend of the show, uh, former world title challenger, now 19-3, and three, a TKO in round four against Alejandro Torres, who's now 2-12. and 12. Good to see Jay Harris return to winning ways after coming uh, off of two back-to-back -back knockout losses, actually. Uh, moving out now to the Honda Center in California, USA. This one over here, um, we're going to talk about the... No, there's nothing really to mention on the undercard. Let's go straight to the main event then. Jaime Munguia now 40-0. What a landmark. Man, oh man. A TKO in round five against Jimmy Kelly, who's now 26-3. and three. Uh, Kelly, I think, was down two or three times in that final round. Um, wow. Really, really, really good fight. I have to say, it was a great, great fight for Jimmy Kelly up until the stoppage. Um, I don't know if you saw any of it, Eddie, but this guy, Jimmy Kelly, boxed unbelievably, the, the, the British fighter, boxed unbelievably, was, was out boxing Mungia, and then eventually, you know, the power caught up with him, he got he got hit, and he pretty much stayed hit, and then the writing was on the wall, it was it, it all come to a close and, and an end real quick. I don't know if you saw any of it. No, I, I didn't. I was, um, I actually, I think I turned... I think I had it on at one point, and I had to do something, and I, I just can't remember what it was, but I wasn't able to watch it, and I I, know I I think I had to go somewhere, if I'm not mistaken, and I can't remember what it was that I had to do, or you know whether or not I was home, might have been working, I have no idea, you know me, um, but yeah, I wanted to see it, I didn't know that it was going to be, I thought it was a, I didn't want to say, I don't want to say, I, I thought it was a showcase fight for him, but I thought that it was meant for him to you know, another good fight, but a fight that he could actually he could he can he can win without too much trouble. But I guess I guess that was that was completely wrong because from what you're saying, he had a hell of a time. Yeah, he really did. Um, he had so many moments in the fight. I mean, Jimmy Kelly was boxing fantastically, mainly off the jab, mainly off the jab, um, using his his good movement as well. And a few times he'd land the backhand. It looked really good and really eye catching. And I think Mungia started to get a little bit frustrated as well. And 
you know, Jimmy Kelly did everything really good. Body shots. I think he landed a couple of nice eye-catching uppercuts. Like, he did everything really, really, really well. And then, like I say, Munguia caught him with a shot. I can't even remember which shot it was now. And, um, I mean, I expected Munguia to knock him out, really. But, yeah, I didn't expect all the problems. And I don't think anyone else did. I don't, I don't think anyone really expected all those problems that he caused before he, gets, before he got knocked out. So, credit to Jimmy Kelly. Um... And yeah, you know, I hope he gets another big opportunity. I said it on last week's show. I don't begrudge him getting this opportunity because he was coming off a great win against Kanat Islam. But it was a, a huge step up. You know, he got stopped when he when he boxed Liam Smith um, years ago, you know, and he, he hasn't really kind of got back to that level. But I think, you know, even though he got knocked out and he there was no question that was the end of him. He was down two or three times, as I said. It all come to a crash real quick, but those 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 minutes before that knockout, that before that big first punch that Mungia landed, he was in total control, he was cruising it, and there's there's a possibility that you could have actually gave him every round. He really impressed. So I hope there is another opportunity for him, maybe somewhere around European level. Let's not just you know get this guy jumping in at world level, then back down to like real low level, then back to world level. Let's just kind of let's do it steady with Jimmy Kelly, you know. But sometimes that's that's just the way it goes for certain fighters who don't have a powerful promoter behind them. They just get a big opportunity, then a really bad one, really bad one, really bad one, then a late notice, really big one, and that's kind of been been the story of his career really. Um, moving out now to the Casino Miami Jai Ally in Miami, Florida, USA, a Don King Promotions card. Um, nothing to mention on the undercard, so let's skip straight to the main event. Trevor Bryan now 22-1. and one. He was KO'd in round four against Daniel Dubois, who's now 18-1 and one and also has the WBA um, regular world heavyweight title, so it's unbelievable that, that this man has actually picked up a ball ball before Joe Joyce, the man that beat him. Um, did you see any of this, Eddie? Because it was a nice left hook that Daniel Dubois threw to knock Brian out, and it was, uh, it was a great shot, really. Yeah, I saw the highlight of the knockout. I also saw, also seen, um, you know, a couple of like a couple of the rounds. I think I watched a round or two. Of how it how it, you know how it came about and what you know what was going on in the fight a little I think I, I can't I can't really remember but I really remember the knockout so um, but it I mean I there was a good left hook it was a good left hook and it actually was a nice sneaky like he hurt him even before that a little bit what a what a shot it looked like and and he he was looking I guess Trevor Brown was looking a little lazy at the at the time um, I, I really don't know I've really not seen him fight so I don't really know how he generally looks or, you know, what he generally does in, you know, in, in fights. But um, I wasn't surprised just from looking at what Trevor Bryan was bringing to the table that uh, Daniel Dubois got him out of there. He just didn't look, you know, and, and, and he didn't, and I don't, I, I shouldn't say this. It could be, it could be construed as a little disrespectful, but he didn't look like a champion. If you understand what I'm saying, he looked like the kind of a guy who was, who may be a contender, you know, for, for a title or not even, maybe not even for a title, maybe even a top 10 guy, maybe a top 15 guy, but he didn't look like a champion. And I'm not too surprised that Daniel Dubois went in, went in there and ended up stopping him. Yeah. I think there was money to be made on a Dubois stoppage early. Um, I, I backed him to get the stoppage within six rounds. That of course happened. A lot of people were backing it even within two rounds. Some, some were saying three rounds, four rounds, 
So yeah, I think a lot of people made some money on that one, and we all expected it to happen. Daniel Dubois just too strong, too youthful, uh, too powerful, really. That's that's just it in a nutshell. And Trevor Bryan, even though he rode a lot of shots well and and showed quite a good chin at times, and I was thinking, wow, Dubois is going to have to come up with a few more ideas here because he was nailing him at times, and I say nailing him, he was hitting him with good-looking shots, but they weren't having an effect, and I think he needed to switch it up and be a little bit less predictable, and um, I was starting to think, wow, he's going to have to think here to get him out of there, but he didn't really, he just carried on doing what he what he did, round after round, Trevor Bryan was quite negative, and then in the end, you know, Trevor Bryan gets caught, walked onto a great shot, and that was it, I mean, face down, it was a great a great knockout. He tried to get back up bravely, and it was good to see the pair show some good sportsmanship after the fight. But yeah, really pleased for Daniel Dubois, who I think loves fighting in the USA. He's been over there and got two nice knockouts in great fashion, and now he's he's a WBA um, heavyweight world champion, and he will fight the winner of Huey Fury and Michael Hunter. So it's exciting for the future. But anyway, leaving that behind, moving out now to the Madison Square Garden Theatre in New York, USA. This one uh, was a was a top ranked show. Um, maybe yeah, one fight to mention on the undercard: Jose Vargas, now twenty and three. I'm not sure if you saw this, Eddie. He was knocked out in two rounds by Dakota Linga, who's now thirteen and five with three draws. Um, people are saying that that is the end of Vargas, he should retire, he doesn't have a chin, there was all kinds of bad stuff said about him, but let's be real here, he was fighting a guy who he should have absolutely annihilated, and something is not quite right with Vargas, man, like he got hit, he was all over the place, the referee tried to give him chances to carry on, and there's headlines now that is saying the referee tried to get him killed, that's how one-sided it was, he should have waved it off and not let him carry on, after getting up from the first knockdown, he was down, heavy, he got back up, he was absolutely all over the place, and he got, he just got obliterated, really, by a guy who, you know, uh, skill set-wise, shouldn't be able to lace his boots, it was uh, embarrassingly one-sided. Yes, you know, actually, Joe, I saw it, I mean, I didn't see the whole, I didn't see the whole fight, I saw the craziness that went on with the knockout. And when it finally was actually, you know, when he actually rendered it as a knockout. And it's just like sometimes you want or you need or or maybe you're told, you know, I guess, you know, with the, with the, with the refs and, and, and stuff like that, what should happen and what you expect to happen. And I understand you've given a guy a chance, but when a guy is in that way, where he can't really stand, he really can't defend himself, he's not really capable, and you're clearly getting hit and getting hurt every time a glove is, a, a shot is landed, regardless of what money's on it, what interest you have in it. And, you know, let's, let's be honest, sometimes, you know, you're told to do certain things, and, you know, as even as official, you kind of, kind of, you know, got to do it. And, um, but in this case, like we've seen too many times where guys don't come up. Look at what just happened with the guy punching the invisible opponent. The opponent, you know, exactly. He passes they, away. They mentioned that on the exact same broadcast as well. I think 
Um, right. It was bad, but Tim Bradley brought it up. I think they were saying, oh, did you see that viral clip the other day? And it was kind of commentated to commentator. And they were kind of yeah. finding it funny because they didn't know. And then about two minutes later, Tim Bradley come on and said, oh, I just got word that the guy actually passed away. I'm so sorry. But it was a real commentating blunder. And it's just ironic mm-hmm. that they mentioned that on the same broadcast where this happened. Yep. And, and, and it just shows you, you know what I mean? That, Things like this can happen, and this is a this is a gladiator sport. Let's not get it twisted. And just because you see these guys, and some guys are, you know, they fight defensively, they stay safe, and you know, the fights sometimes can be boring and all of that. You realize these guys get in there and taking their lives in your hands to entertain, to entertain people. You know what I'm saying? And it has to be respected. And just if even if you have an interest, even if it's a betting interest, which I mean, look, if I put money on somebody, I want to want to see them win. Almost at all costs, you know what I'm saying. Where I don't care what the cost is, and I think sometimes that's that's looked at like that. And it's like, as a ref, you have to do your job. He called the first knockdown a slip. He got rocked and went down, and he called it a slip. He gets back up. He's taking all kinds of. He first of all, he called it a slip and just basically lets him stand there for a half second, and then. You know, come on back in, go and pound on him again. And he's getting hit with flush, big shots on the ropes. And he's basically going through the ropes, barely hanging on, taking like taking bombs one after another. And finally, he goes down and he actually calls it a knockdown. Gives him the eight count. He's getting up. He can't even stay. He can't even stay straight. Look what happened with. With Roly, with Roly, uh, uh, um, Romero. Romero, when he got knocked down, he made one little false move and, 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 and his leg jiggled a little bit too much. They stopped that thing right away. This dude couldn't even stay. He literally almost had to have help. And he still let him go in there and take more punishment because he's hoping that he gets his, gets his stuff back together. And and could get in there and cut, somehow win that fight because that's what's supposed to happen. That's what some that's what we want to happen, but that's not the way things have to, it should be. That fighter won the fight. He shouldn't have been able to lace his boots. Yeah, we all feel we all know that that happens. You know what I mean? Sometimes those those fighters get upset. That's just the way it is. And 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 if if you got if you got money on it or whatever, I don't give a shit. In this situation, he could have lost his life. You know what I mean? He could have been walking around like everything's fine after the fight and all of a sudden collapses and, and, and dies. Just because you had a little more of an interest in in what he in which in financially than what he did, you know, in his life, which is which is just this it's just it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. That should never happen. That should in, in his corner too. I don't even know if they were I think the doctor, wasn't it the doctor that jumped up on the ring and like got him in there to make him stop the fight? Yeah, I think that I think, was it. I think two doctors climbed up um, yeah. on the ring on the ring uh, apron. It wasn't even his corner. Like, are you kidding me? Like, yo, it's yo, it's, it's crazy to see shit like this, and it just it upsets me because you know you 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 work this hard this hard your whole life. You get yourself into a position to 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 get an opportunity to win a fight, and make some money, and make a living, and then you know sometimes it doesn't work out. But you get put into a situation and you can almost lose your life. You know what I'm saying? You can almost lose your life, and these guys just, they just don't care. And that's why you have to care for yourself. If you're as a fighter, you got to do what's best for you. 
You know what I mean? And, and I think that's, that's that's overlooked by a lot of fighters. They take they look at these these managers and these promoters, and they just you know yeah they, you know they, they let them do everything, let them control them, um some in some ways control their life, and it's like you can't do that. You gotta you gotta speak up for yourself. And I, and I wish I could in some ways I wish I could do it over again. Why? Because I, I would definitely speak up a lot more for myself than than what I have done in the past. And I think these young fighters need to really pay attention to these situations and really take heed and 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 and, and make sure that they looking at looking out for themselves. You know what I mean? Have the right team around you and definitely look out for yourself. Yeah, well said, Eddie. And the main event on that card, Edgar Belanga, now 20-0, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Roma, Alexis Angulo, now uh, 27-3. Again, Belanga with a good win. I think he, he showed a more kind of composed side of himself. And I would say he boxed quite cleverly. Uh, I still am just dumbfounded by the drop-off since those first um, 16 or whatever, first round knockouts that he gathered in a row. The the, the fall from there to, to where we are now is, is crazy. Like, he doesn't come close to getting a knockout at any point in the entire fight. It's so weird, the drop-off. Like, I, I almost can't explain it. It's like they've They've found his, his twin brother and put him in the ring. The whole everything about the guy has changed. It's really bizarre, but it's made him a hell of a lot less scary now. And I do want to see other fights to take place. I think in the end, he boxed quite well against uh, Roma Alexis Angulo, like I say, and he was probably more dominant than most people felt he'd be. So um, yeah, he won nine one on two cards and 8-2 on the other card. So very, very wide in the end for Edgar Belanga. I was actually falling asleep during this fight. It was on really, really late. I think it finished about 6 a.m. UK time. So I was watching a few rounds and dropping off and waking back up. It was horrible. But from what I could see, he boxed quite cleverly. And, um, yeah, it's it's weird. Like, what level is he at? You know, I've said it before. Blasting through these guys... Who, who some of them were durable, and he's getting them all out in a round, man. It was like, whoa, this is the second coming of Mike Tyson, like, at his peak. And then all of a sudden, the drop-off is so drastic that he starts getting dropped himself by guys who can't punch, and it's like, what is going on? And now he's boxing in, in a completely different style, so I'm not sure what's going on there. But one thing about Belanga, he's got a humongous um, ego, and I don't really know where the ego comes from, but I'm not liking that. I think he calls himself, um, I think he calls himself like the monster or something like that. And I just think, no, change the nickname, calm down, you know, calm down on the ego stuff, and um, you know, the hard work is is something I think he needs to concentrate on. Not that I'm saying he hasn't been working hard. I'm sure he has been, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's, it's an interesting one. Um. Sorry, Eddie. Was you going to say something there? Oh no, I was just uh, I was just thinking. Uh, you know, when guys start out so so well in their career, you know, people telling them how great they are. You know, people saying, "Oh, you, you know, you're this, you're that," and the ego. It's it's not necessarily that you didn't already have it, but this just gave it validation. You understand what I'm saying? This has validated his his reason to act as if he is the second coming of Jesus Christ in the ring. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes, you know, having success early is 
a good thing, but then other times like this is it's kind of a bad thing. It's kind of like be undefeated, but have some have some tough fights on the way up because now he's going to get into situations where he's gonna he's gonna have like to dig deep. And I mean, I'm pretty sure he already has. And I know, I mean, I know he has already had. He's he's already had to do it, and he's you know come back and won. But there's gonna be a time where he's in there with somebody that's a gun like him. You know, already we're talking about like um like boots, like a kid like boots, getting in there with him and him getting in that situation. He may not survive. You understand what I'm saying? He may not be able to get out of that situation because like boots is a kid that's really really a good finisher. Once he gets you hurt, he's on the case. You know what I'm saying? So. You know, he it's it's good in a, in a sense to be as successful as he has been, but sometimes you really need some serious adversity. And him getting sixteen or seventeen was a first round knockout. I mean, it, it, you can only fight who's in front of you, and the outcome is the outcome. You know what I mean? And you don't get paid for overtime, so definitely take care of business as you're supposed to. But <laughs> sometimes it's a gift and, and a curse because now we're seeing. You know, like most of the time, the cream rises to the top in this situation. So he has won, but we'll see in the future just how good he really is when he faces somebody on even terms with him. That's really when we'll see where, where, where who the true fighter that Edgar Belanga will be is and will be in the future. Yeah, and there's some great fights. Obviously, I think uh, we had David Benavidez on the show a few weeks ago, and. I, I didn't know that they had a little bit of previous, and I said to David Benavidez, hey, what do you think about this guy? You know, he's younger than you, he's coming up, he got all these knockouts, he was really impressing, he's the new kid on the block kind of thing. You were that guy, you know, a few years ago, and he's kind of that guy now, so what do you think of him? And he had, he had basically said, yeah, you know, he's mentioned my name before in the past, and then when we say, okay, let's do the fight, he says he's not ready. Don't call me out if you're not ready. And he he actually went on to say, when the fight does happen, I'll be knocking him out. I mean, I, I want to see big fights for, Belang- for, for, for Edgar Belanga. And there's a lot of fights that can be made at super middle. There's so many that can be made. There's some great fighters in, in America for him. And I don't know why they're not happening. I think they need to happen soon because... Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't like the ego stuff. You know, I think he already kind of thinks he's a superstar. I mean, it was great when he's when he was getting all these first round knockouts, but it's been quite a while now. He's had a few fights where he has not looked that same guy, and it, it, like I said, it looks like his his uh, long lost twin has been fighting for him in the last maybe four or five fights he's had. He has not been as impressive, and people were actually betting on this guy to pull the upset. That's how bad he's been looking. Or not, I don't want to say bad he's been looking, but how far from his previous self he's been looking. So anyways, it's a weird one with Belanga. But anyway, I'm going to move on. That's it for the review part of the show. That is it. The final thing for me to do just before we wrap up part one is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBC lightweight champion of the world. It is, of course, Mr. Omar Figueroa. Omar, welcome back on the show, my man. Thank you for having me back. It's it's a pleasure, man. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, So we last spoke back in July of 2019, Omar, so almost three years ago. At the time, you were undefeated, of course. You were a couple weeks out from fighting UGAS. Obviously, that night was was a tough night. You lost your row. It would have been a hard pill to swallow. But UGAS, you know, he went on to beat Manny Pacquiao, so that loss aged really well. Is there any positive at all that you can take away from that looking back in any way? 
Absolutely not. I was just in a completely different place mentally, uh, physically. I mean, it's like that person doesn't exist anymore. Okay, okay. And obviously, I've got to touch on it, you were out the ring for 10 months, then you came back and lost to Abel Ramos, and it was a bizarre performance from you, really, because it wasn't the Omar that we're used to seeing. How do you assess that one looking back? Obviously, uh, that's your most recent fight. Yeah, it it honestly just feels like a blur. I, you know, I I don't even know how to explain my thought process on my mind at, at that point. I just I feel like it's it's all a blur, you know. But after the fight, that that's when I I find out why you know things were going the way they were going and why my life just seemed to be spiraling out of control. But uh, I feel like I have grip on that now, and and I mean, yeah, it's just it all came down to you know my mental health and me looking after myself. And Omar, I don't want to push too much into that, and I completely understand if it's something you're not comfortable to talk about. But can you elaborate in any way about what was, uh, I guess, putting you in this kind of bad place, this dark place? Well, yeah, I mean, I. You know, I I feel like it happened for a reason, and I'm not one to to believe in stuff like that or care much to say stuff like that. But when you take a look at my life and the way that it planned out, I mean, there's there's it's the only thing that makes sense. And uh, so after after the fight, that's when uh, I think it was 2020. So the Olympics were either happening yeah they were happening that summer right later later that year um and that's when Simone Biles pulled out of the Olympics because of her her own mental health and because she wasn't right in the head and you know she she was experiencing the twisties and whatnot so that that's really what what started the avalanche for me and that's what inspired me to look after myself and and lo and behold, I find that there was a whole slew of things that were not necessarily wrong with me, but that were impeding me from living a, a healthy, normal, you know, asterisk on that one, because what is normal anyway? <laughs> but, you know, uh, it was it was just making things harder. And, and And that's, you know, my life made complete sense at that point. Yeah, no, I understand that, and again, a lot of people don't understand the difficulties of, you know, what goes on outside of the ring, it's such a mental sport, even though some people think it's more physical, they're wrong. Um, the last kind of question on the past, I'm going to not, not dwell too much in the past, but since we last spoke, it has to be said as well, uh, your brother Brandon, who I interview a lot these days, also lost his O to Stephen Fulton. Um how did you think he got on? I mean, really and truly, he he did have an argument of being the winner that night. To be fair, well, I think he was the winner. It wasn't just an argument. The argument was whether Fulton had won. But it it, it all came down, I feel, to just you know, same old boxing politics. My brother was moving up in weight, and he had announced that prior to the fight. So, I mean, we don't we don't want to point fingers or blame anyone. But you know, we all know how boxing works, and. Since Fulton was going to stay in that division, I, I feel like it made more sense for him to keep the belt, and that's that's essentially what happened. 
But yeah, focusing on the positives, you do have a fight date lined up, which is very exciting. Uh, before we discuss the date itself and the opponent, do you feel, uh, Omar, that this is a must-win fight? I mean, a loss here would be three in a row. That would be real a real bad place, of course. Yeah, I mean, obviously every fight is a must-win fight in this sport. Um, but we we take this this we're taking this fight a lot you know, a lot more seriously in that sense. And, but at the same time, like I said, now that I, you know, that I got my diagnosis and I, and I did find out that I have all these things that I was working against, you know, it, it kind of feels like a breath of fresh air. Not, not that it absolves me of everything that I did wrong, but it, it does take a huge weight off my shoulders knowing that, you know, that I was battling all these things behind the scenes that not even I knew about. And it, you know, like I said, it gives me a breath, a breath of fresh air, and and I don't know, it it all depends on how I feel, how how my mind works, and how the fight plays out, and and we'll see. But but yeah, I mean, it, it all depends if if I do if I do horrible like I did last fight, then I'm pulling the plug, and that that's it, that's had that that's got to be it. So literally, a loss here with a bad performance would be the end of the road. More likely, it, it all just depends on how I feel, on how my my mental space is after the fight, during the fight, leading up to the fight. It, it really just depends on that. Yeah, and like I say, I remember years ago, you know, when you were lightweight champion, and I've seen the whole journey. And when you were on it, like you were, you know, you were you were excellent. It was a pleasure to to, to see you fight. And then obviously, there's been a couple of hiccups where I've kind of thought what's going on here? Like, has he got to a point where, I don't know, there's not much left in the tank or what, but when you were on it against the likes of, i never forget the Ricky Burns fight where you just completely dominated him, carrying a couple of injuries in. I mean, especially as a Brit, staying up and watching that. Like I say, when you're on your game at 100%, and you wasn't even 100% for that one, but you, you're excellent. Um, let's talk about the opponent. Uh, Adrian Broner, very exciting fight. July 23rd is the date. This was a fight that I remember was supposed to happen a few years ago. Um, do you feel, Omar, that this is the perfect kind of name to get you motivated, I guess, to give it your all in training and on fight night itself? It's the perfect name, I think. Well, I mean, I don't think the name matters. Uh, at the end of the day, nobody wants to lose and nobody wants to look horrible, especially doing it or anything. We are, I mean at least from, from my experience, I try to give my best every, every chance that I get. And I, and I go out there, I, I lay it all on the line and, and, you know, it's, it's all or nothing all the time, but obviously there were bigger things at play and, you know, so nothing, nothing changes. I'm still training a hundred percent to the best of my abilities. And, you know, I have, I'm working with my dad again, which is something that, that really helps. I have my family with me and that's making it a lot easier to, to put up with a lot of these things that I'm dealing with, you know, on the outside of boxing, which allows me to focus solely on boxing and, and make sure that I'm, that I'm as, as ready as possible. And the fight takes place in Chicago. Am I right in saying? Yes. Okay. Chicago. And I'm guessing, cause I haven't seen a wide announcement unless I've been hiding under a rock I'm guessing it's going to be at welterweight no it's well I mean last I know it's at 140 
Ah, okay. Okay, well, yeah, I think you're both more naturally suited to that way anyway, so that makes it better. Um, I want to ask you, Omar, what are your what are your career goals at this point in your career? Honestly, I, I'm not looking past Adrian Broner. My only goal right now is to be as prepared as possible for him, and, and I feel like he deserves that. You know, he's no one to be taken lightly regardless of of his status right now because like myself you know i know that i that i'm a force to be reckoned with but i didn't have my mentals right so i feel like it's the same thing with him it's 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 about who has their mentals right that night and i feel like that's the person that's going to be victorious and I've noticed that you've been posting a hell of a lot recently on social media compared to usual, I guess. I remember a few years ago, you barely would post anything. Is that proof that you're in a good place or are you just loving social media at the minute? <laughs> well, no, I'm just, you know, my fans had always complained that, that I don't post anything. And so I'm just trying to be better for them, trying to be, to expose myself more, try different things. And you know, just have fun with it. Basically, it's boxing, that, and you know that's one of the biggest things that that I was fighting against. That boxing was never fun for me. My 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 dad never made it fun. It was never a sport. It, it you know even when I when I started at six years old, it was always this serious thing that I had to be the best at. And there were the, there's so much that happened behind the scenes, you know, in order for that for that to happen. And it when I became world champ at 20, I think I was 22 years old that, you know, it, it was the, the culmination of 16 years of hard work to that point. And I'm not, it, it wasn't like we were screwing around in the gym and all that. We were going hard and we were training hard and we were sparring hard. And, you know, so I feel like it all, it all came to, to a standstill when the mental health stuff and the injuries and everything just, it just got to a point where it was just too much. But now things are completely different. Well, I'm really happy to hear that you're in a good place and you sound it. I feel like I can tell it in your voice, to be honest. Um, we spoke a few times over the years and, um, you sound different this time than you have sounded, I think, for a while, which is very good to hear. Um, I was going to ask you this one, but I'm not entirely sure that, you know, welterweight's really your weight class at the minute if this fight's going to be at 140. But it looks like we're going to see Spence and Crawford happening next down the line, perhaps even the late part of this year. Um, who do yeah. you favor in that one, man? Well, I I never really I've, I haven't watched Croft, much of Crawford, but I know that Errol Spence is is a completely different animal. So it's going to be an interesting fight. I would give the edge to Spence just because I I have shared the ring with him and I know how strong he is and I know that he's an incredible athlete, you know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with Spence. But but like I said, I don't know much about Crawford. I I don't think I've ever watched him fight. But I know that he's an amazing fighter as well, so I just hope that it's a great fight for boxing. Okay, well, your brother, Brandon, we mentioned earlier, he also has a comeback fight penciled in. He fights two weeks before you do. He gets in with Carlos Castro. Quite a hard comeback fight, to be completely honest. Um, how is Brandon, and how do you think his fight will go, Omar? Brandon's doing great right now. He looks in incredible shape, and obviously we're sharing camp together, so... I can see his evolution and, and the way he, he's training, and I can say that he's going to be 
in in great shape as he always is. And, you know, I have full confidence in him, especially moving up in weight that he's not going to be as drained. He's going to be stronger and faster and everything. So I feel like we're going to see the best version of my brother yet. Oh man, that that does really excite me because he's been he's been um, delivering every fight recently. That's for sure, throwing about ten thousand punches yeah. around. Um, my final yeah. question for you, Omar: What's your prediction for your fight if you have one? Uh, how does it go come July twenty third? I'm guessing uh, you're gonna. I'm sure the game plan is to be extremely busy. Well, yeah, the game plan is to win, and no matter how we do it, so. I don't have a prediction. I can honestly just say that I'm going to be hopefully in the best mental state I've ever been, great physical state as as per usual. And, you know, we're hoping for the best and hope we come out victorious. There we go. And just before we wrap it up, Omar, if you've got any closing words just to the listeners before we let you go, uh, if you want to say anything at all, take it away, my friend. Of course, like always, just grateful for the opportunity to still be here you know being mentioned among the among these great names that exist in boxing and hopefully this fight is just the beginning of something you know something great and we're just looking forward to it you deserve it Omar you truly do it's always a pleasure speaking with you my man it really is thanks for your time best of luck July 23rd and I can't wait to see you go back to winning ways thank you appreciate it Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Joseph Parker, friend of our show, has signed a promotional contract with Boxer. So he'll be signing, uh, fighting, I should say, on Sky Sports, which is great for UK boxing fans. I know he's got a lot of UK boxing fans over here. Um, So he's going to be boxing on Sky. That's fantastic for him. And it's a long-term deal as well. So really pleased for him. He's a lovely guy, Joseph Parker. Um, In other news, there's been a fight that's been announced for July 23rd. The featherweights are going at it. Former world title challenger, Joet Gonzalez. Um, will be boxing friend of the show, Isaac Dogbay, former world champion. Uh, uh, that one's going down at the Grand Casino Hinkley, uh, live on ESPN+. Plus, and I'm assuming Sky Sports again. That is Saturday, July 23rd. Tickets start, by the way, at $35. They go on sale. Uh, they're actually already on sale. So uh, have a little look at that. Um, I don't think the main of uh, the, the the full card has been announced just yet, but it's a decent fight there. Um, Joet Gonzalez is a tough, tough task really for Dog Bay, who again in his last few fights hasn't looked fantastic. I remember he had a close one with Adam Lopez. Um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting. But I love Isaac Dog Bay, really good guy. Um, in other news, we have the unfortunate postponement of Fury Hunter. It was going to be taking place July 2nd. There's going to be a new date announced soon, I think, for the rescheduled uh, date. Um, Huey Fury got ill, and it was his father, Peter Fury's um, uh, decision to say that we're not going to be ready July 2nd. And everyone on the undercard is devastated because we were going to see the pro debut of Ben Whitaker, the 2020 uh, British Olympian. We were going to see a fight on the undercard with Bradley Ray for end of the show. We were going to also see the the exhibition return of Ricky Hatton getting in with Marco Antonio Barrera. That is off as well. So the whole show has had the 
plug pulled on it and hopefully we get a new date soon Huey Fury Michael Hunter and all the undercard action as well hopefully it all takes place pretty soon um I think that's it for the rest of the news. Oh, no, there's one other piece of news, actually. Um, we're going to see a card take place in Australia. It's going to be Matram Boxing's first Australian card. It's going to be on... What's the date? What's the date? What's the date? It's going to be... It's going to be in September. I don't think there's actually a date penciled in just yet. But on the card, the main event's going to be Liam Parrow getting in with Brock Jarvis. That's going to be fun, I'm sure. And also, Sky Nicholson actually gets to box at home for the first time since turning pro. She's been boxing absolutely all over the place. So it's going to be good to see her fight in front of her home crowd. Um, that is it, though, for the news part of the show. Moving on to the preview part. We're going to start here with this one. It takes place tomorrow night. It's really very much snuck under the radar. It's going to be on Channel 5 at the Echo Arena, Liverpool, Merseyside, United Kingdom. We're going to see top in the bill, Nathan Gorman, 18-1 and one in a 10-rounder against Thomas Salek, who's 17-3. and three. I think he got stopped in two of his three losses, if I'm not mistaken, and one loss was to Pavel Sauer, who shared the ring once upon a time with Huey Fury. He lost to Pavel, to Pavel Sauer, and then he come back, and I think it was in his last fight, he avenged that loss to Pavel Sauer, so he's coming off a win. It's for the vacant IBF international heavyweight title. Elsewhere on the card, friend of the show, the 2016 Olympian Josh Kelly, 10-1 and with a draw in a 10-rounder against Peter Kramer, who's 12-5 and with three draws. Um, that's about it, really, for that undercard there. Moving out now to the Bayou Event Center in Houston, Texas, USA. Friend of the show, Melissa Odessa Parker, 5-0 and in a 10-2-minute round contest against the undefeated McKenna Tansley. She's also 5-0. Somebody's own must go here. It's for the IBO World Female Bantamweight title. All the very best there to Melissa Odessa Parker. Moving out now to the Leeds United FC Banqueting Suite in Ellen Road, Leeds, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. That's a mouthful there. It takes place on Saturday night. I'm not sure if it's going to be shown anywhere. I'm not sure because it's a Probellum show, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. I think it could be Probellum maybe in association with um, someone else. I don't know if it's going to be on Eurosport. I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if it's going to be on YouTube. I've got no idea, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Top in the bill, Jack Bateson, 16-0 in a 10-rounder there against Diego Alberto Ruiz, who's 23-4 and with a draw. That's for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Super Bantamweight title. On the undercard, friend of the show, Archie Sharp, 21-0. No opponent just yet for him. In fact, no, he has got an opponent. He has got an opponent. He told me it the other day. Um, Alex Ratt. He's boxing. A guy called Alex Ratt. Who, uh, oh, let me quickly check him out real quick. Shouldn't be doing this. I should have all had it planned. But yeah, Alex Ratt is 14-4 and four with two draws. If that's still going ahead. Coming off of six wins in a row. Um, one of his losses... In fact, all of his losses came to guys I'm not too familiar with. But anyway, Archie Sharp sitting comfortably in that number one position, soon to be called mandatory for Shakur Stevenson's WBO Super Featherweight World Title. 21-0 Archie Sharp. Elsewhere on the card, another friend of the show, 23-2, Mr. O'Hara Davies. No opponent just yet for him. And now moving out to the big one. 
Eddie, I don't know if you're planning on watching it, but if you wasn't already, I'm going to say you absolutely need to. Uh, we're going to get to the main event straight away here. It's for the WBC, the IBF, and the WBO light heavyweight world titles. The unification between Arta Baturbiev, 17-0, 17 KOs, and Joe Smith Jr., 28-3. and Um over 12 rounds, both men can crack, there's absolutely no way in the world it's going the distance, I'd love to see Joe Smith Jr. pull it off, and it wouldn't be the first, or probably the last time in his career, that he has won as an underdog, of course he's the underdog yet again here, but he has, you know, come as the underdog many, many times, and pulled off excellent wins in fact I think every time he's the underdog he gets a stoppage win apart from when he lost I think it was to Bivol um, other than that I mean I remember him knocking out from Farah I remember him knocking out Bernard Hopkins um, he's been excellent Joe Smith and everyone loves Joe Smith as well such a cool guy he's been on the show a few times a huge fan of Joe Smith all the best to him but it's going to be great against Arta Baturbiev the savage um, elsewhere on the undercard, really, really good fight. 21-0, Abraham Nova in a 10-rounder against Cuba's Rubisi Ramirez, 9-1. We've also got on the undercard, Wendy Toussaint, who's 13-1, I think, from France, in an 8-rounder against the UK's Asinia Byfield, 15-4 with a draw. Not sure what he's been doing in his recent years. He seems to be boxing in weird countries here, there, and everywhere, and having really weird fights. Like, I think he boxed a few times in, like, uh, Eastern Europe, just on weird undercards. I'm not sure who on earth he's being managed or promoted by, but anyways, he pops up on this card at the Madison Square Garden Theatre. You can't knock him for that. I'm really, uh, uh, you know, happy for him to get an opportunity on a huge undercard like this. But yeah, all eyes to the main event. Arta Baturbiev, Joe Smith Jr. Eddie. Um, Baturbiev getting up there in age doesn't really show any signs just yet of slowing down, though. But Joe Smith, man, he packs a punch. He's um he's exciting. He's certainly gonna bring it, and if he's gonna be knocked out, I'm sure he's gonna go out on his shield. But um, what's your? What, I don't know. You you know both guys. What's your? How, what kind of chance do you give Joe Smith? Well, I mean, you know, we, it looks as if Beterbiev uh, has a granite chin, so it's hard sometimes to think that he could possibly be hurt. By some, by by anyone, you know, we've seen him in there with Marcus Brown, sitting there with several, several other guys who, who were supposed to be pretty good punchers or decent punchers, and you know, stopped other guys, but just couldn't uh, couldn't crack his shell. You know what I mean? So he got dropped by um, um he got dropped by wait, Callum Johnson of the UK. Yeah. Oh wow! So they're it. Oh, but we'll Callum see. Johnson can punch like whoa, yeah, like a, almost swore. like a like yeah, a massive puncher, punch. huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, he boxed Johnson. Johnson dropped him. He got back up and knocked Johnson out. But it was a great fight while it lasted about four or five years ago now. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, well, even with that, you still you get up and he knocks the guy out. I mean, you know, being knocked down does not say that you don't have a good chin or you don't have a granite chin. It just sometimes it, it makes it a little harder to get you down. And I think that's what the situation is with better be And it's like we do know that Joe Smith can crack. And he's tough, and he thrives in the underdog position, and it's a feel-good situation. Like if to see to see Joe Smith come out and win, he's got a he's a good dude. He's a, he's a blue-collar kind of guy, you know. What I mean, he's worked so hard. He's been down. He's lost fights, and he's come back, and he's he's won. Now he's now he's a titleist or has been a titleist, and it's like you. 
can't help but to root for a guy like that. You know what I mean? He has he has your 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 utmost respect just because of his his attitude and the way he carries himself and and then how he fights. On top of that, big puncher, maybe not the most talented or skilled guy in the world, but he's always working on it. You know what I mean? You can really respect that, and I respect that. I, I mean, I would like to see him do well in this fight. We know that better 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 Biev is the killer. You know what I mean? He's the one guy that you just know that eventually he's going to get to you. You know what I mean? No matter how good of a fighter you are, eventually he's going to be able to put his hands on you. And when he does that, most of the time, that means you're going to get, you're not going to last, you know, very much longer. So, and we know Joe Smith is not going to be hard to find because he's coming forward. He believes in his power. He believes in his chances. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a hell of a fight for as long as it lasts. But I think, and, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I, I think he's going to, you know, better, better be able to think he's going to end up stopping him probably mid, mid rounds, maybe, maybe even earlier, mainly because he's not going to be, like I said, difficult to find. They're going to be, they're going to be pretty much getting it in, slugging it out. Now, Joe Smith can surprise us and come in here and say, hey, I'm going to box a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm going to use my power for good, not for evil in this situation. You know what I'm saying? He may get behind that. Behind that jab, get on that back foot and use those big punches to keep better be ever on his back foot a little. And if he's able to do that and sustain that, shit, we might get a decision out of him. You know what I mean? You never know. Boxing is the theater of the unexpected. Always has been. So don't be surprised to see something like that possibly happen. I doubt it, but you never know. Yeah, and that's what is so exciting about Joe Smith. I mean, he turned pro back in 2009 now, but he put together six knockouts in a row, all within uh, two rounds. Then he gets stopped in a shock upset when he lost. Uh, he got stopped in round four against Eddie Caminero. No, not Eddie Chambers, but it was close. And then, of course, he comes back. You know, he starts knocking guys out again, and then he gets the big opportunity um, against Andre Fonfara, and it was going to be um, on NBC, so a big network, and he, he stops Fonfara in one round, which was super impressive, man, super impressive, because at the time... Um, uh, from Farah just beaten Nathan Cleverly. He'd just beaten in the fight before that Julio Cesar Chavez. He gave a good fight to Adonis Stevenson a bit before that. And he gets wiped out in one round by Joe Smith. Joe Smith goes away, then comes and fights uh, Bernard Hopkins. Fair enough, Bernard Hopkins was about 107 for the fight. But Bernard, that was the fight where he got knocked through the ropes and out the ring and he landed on his head and said he couldn't walk. Really bizarre, but it was a great win for him. Then he comes back and gets uh, his jaw broken in the first round against Sullivan Barrera, but also drops Barrera in that first round, but goes on to lose a close, well, not close really in the end, but goes on to lose on points. Then he comes back with a good win. Then he gets straight in with Dimitri Bivol, and he loses over 12 rounds quite wide. He was just outboxed by the much sounder boxer, but he did hit Bivol with a right hand that rocked Bivol to his boots just as the bell ended. Bivol put his gloves down. It was probably a second after the bell, but I'm a big Joe Smith fan, so I'm going to pretend I didn't say that. And he hits him with a great shot, and Bivol was a bit wobbly. And then, since then, he's been on such a run, Joe Smith. You know, he got in there with Jesse Hart, um, had him down, beat him on points, a split decision. Then he comes back and knocks out Alida Alvarez in round nine. Then he goes and fights for the world title, wins a majority decision against Maxim Vlasov, who just retired one or two weeks ago. You know, that was a razor, razor close fight. And he's on a real run now. He's putting together a brilliant run. He's building his legacy. And after Baturbiev, 
I mean, I said he's not really shown any signs of slowing down, and I say that mainly because the last fight against Marcus Brown, I thought Marcus Brown could potentially have the style to cause him a lot of issues, but for me, there weren't many issues, and he he really, you know, beat Brown up badly. But he hasn't got an early stoppage for quite a while. Uh, his last three fights have all been stoppages in round 10, 10, and 9. So they've been going late. And Joe Smith, I mean, he has got the one stoppage loss, but it was a long, long time ago. Since then, he's been in with much bigger punches, and he's been okay. And he, again, believes in his power, and rightly so. And I think, as you say, he's going to bring it to Baturbiev. And, I mean, Baturbiev is insanely strong. So it's just going to be a fight that's full in the center of the ring, I think. And it's just going to be so exciting while it lasts. There's no way in the world it goes the distance. <laughs> that's the excitement in my voice coming through. I am super excited. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that is it for the preview part of the show the final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro which i'm going to do in just a few seconds okay and this wraps up episode 348 of the box hard podcast i've been your host joey coastman eddie chambers has been with me for the duration of the show a huge thank you to our special guest this week the former wbc lightweight world champion mr omar figueroa uh, there has been one, I believe just one piece of news break whilst we've been recording the show. In fact, no, it's two. Um, we're going to see Dalton Smith be boxing for the vacant British super lightweight title when he takes on Samo Mason. That one is going to be going down Saturday, August the 6th um, in Sheffield at the Utilita Arena. And in other news, Joe Joyce has his opponent finally announced for that July 2nd card at Wembley. He'll be boxing Christian Hammer. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.